Welcome to the vault where you can find the code to unlock your success. In this space, I invite real, inspiring and successful experts. We have eye-opening conversations about the way to reach your highest potential in life and in business. We will cover the mastery of mindset, energy, emotions, transformation, sales, marketing, thriving in business without losing your authenticity and balance. Hi, I'm Sonia Martinovic and host of The Vault, an entrepreneur, mindset mastery and online business coach with an obsession on real transformation. I'm on a mission to help entrepreneurs and other influencers master the mindset and build a successful and impactful business. Do you want to break free from your limitations and express your truest self in business and in life? Is growth your game and success your aim? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to the vault. Let's start cracking your code. And welcome to the vault. And this week we have an amazing guest. We are going to level up with Ledge. So Ledge is a co-founder and managing partner of Ad10, where he and his team help scale business-to-business services from a half a million to five million in revenue. Ledge believes you need sales, not a VP off. He's a co-host of the Leaders of the B2B podcast and has personally closed more than 40 million of revenue with an average contract value of over 150K. And today we're going to talk about how to sell in a service business like we're in. So welcome, Ledge. It's so good to be here. Thank you, Sonia. Yeah, so tell, tell a little bit more for our listening because I always like a little bit background story, more about Ledge. Uh, what sure. challenges did you have? What story led you up to this amazing result? Many stories and, and many not amazing results. You know, so I think that the most important thing is, is keep trying. So I've done 13 different startups, some of them, um, we should never talk about again, and some of them, some of them were were quite successful. And um, I've been an early employee and co-founder, and you know, been around the startup space, hundreds of different uh, startups in different varieties, from mentorship, consulting, uh, coaching type of of position. I've held almost all the C level positions, and and just ended up in sales because somebody had to sell something and uh, pay the bills, and it turned out that. I was getting that done and uh, people like it when you make them money. So, yes. you know, here I am. So. <laughs> and also coaches, right? Especially coaches and people who, who are writing a book or being an author or yeah. wanting to have like a very positive impact business. Yeah. It, you know, the sales is so important because the more sales you have, the better, the more people you can uh, help, right? And serve. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, there, I have a lot to say about that type of information driven business or value added or, you know, essentially you're a services business where you're going to get paid high dollar, maybe to spend one on one time with people. Uh, then you've got the group model where you can leverage that a little bit more. Yes. Uh, it's all about going to have that, that lot sort of ladder of content and available resources, assets, a cheaper course, a step-in course, uh, you know, even a free offer type of thing. So there's a lot yes. to learn there. And um, the the biggest challenge for those folks, uh, sales is always going to be a challenge. I'd say also the, the far larger challenge is how do you scale yourself? Because you will not have enough time to sell, create content and deliver. Yeah, exactly. Uh, unless, unless you have a really, really structured set of systems to step that up. So. 
So what do you find that in this, in this niche, what do you find that the most challenging thing is when it comes to sales? Is it about the overwhelm and doing everything or is it about leveraging a team and uh, doing all of that? Most of these types of businesses get off the ground because they have to, they don't have the adequate financing. So they get off the ground, essentially bootstrapping that sales effort while making content, while trying to write all the copy and deliver some stuff. Uh, I think they they often will get unfocused in those areas, uh, particularly around how much work it takes and how many conversations you need to have to actually sell some things. Exactly. So, you know, I think that the hardest area there for selling then is going to be having a message that really resonates. It's never going to be enough to say, you know, I'm the coach that can raise your revenue. Well, that's been said a hundred thousand times. Yeah, I'm the coach that can make saturated more money. right now, right? Yeah, the market is right. so saturated. So the, the best message really is so important right now in this, uh, in this market. Yeah. You have got to stand out. And, and mm -hmm. some of that is, is, excellent direct response copywriting like you shouldn't know all about those things and you know read your jeff walker books and all that yeah. stuff but um you know i think beyond that the biggest challenge is really being aggressive to niche down into the types of businesses and people that you you legitimately can help yeah. and i tell people you know so niche down until it hurts like there should only be a hundred people that you can reach that could read that thing and kind of, Oh, that's me. You know, the, yeah. she's talking to me. He's talking yeah. to me yeah. because I've got a hundred coaches I could buy from every single day on LinkedIn, you know, like, so how are you the person that I really resonate with? I go like, that's, that's a good place to put my money. Yeah. Uh, so that's the biggest challenge is, is just looking and looking and sounding different in a legitimate way, I think. Yes, I agree 100%. And if someone goes bad when it comes to right marketing and messaging, it's mostly because of the niche and not niching down until it hurts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it hurts. So yeah. I mean, but, look at my look at my business, you know, we yeah. only work with B2B tech enabled services firms where the founder has grown it to about half a million in sales and doesn't want to sit in the sales seat anymore. Yeah. You either are that or you are not that. And that yeah. means we don't have hundreds of clients, but we have some clients. Mm. And and those are the ones where we can really focus and make a difference for them. And and I'm saying this not because I'm so brilliant. I'm saying this because I did it wrong so many times that I can yeah. tell you that when you finally niche down to this thing, it's like I'm talking to that person and they, they will so they be able to reach back out again. And, and it only took me 15 years of doing it wrong. So <laughs> everybody should listen to this. Yes, yes, absolutely. But that's, you know, it pays off to stick in, yeah. in, in, in a game and stick maybe in a niche that you really believe in and really make it work, right? So, um, yeah. so I, I have a sales background for 15 years. So uh, I know, um, uh, that mostly like 80% of the sales results comes from 20% of the people. Why do you think I want to have your view that, uh, that that's like that? Why does 80% of the sales come from 20% of the salespeople? I think that there is, it's kind of endemic right now that we try to turn out formulaic sales playbooks and you know every book has the version that's going to work for you and all that and i never learned that way my suspicion would be that 
most of the most successful folks just learn sales from having to do it and having yeah. enough nose. And, and uh, you can hearken back to generations before yours and mine, probably before most listeners, where the great entrepreneurs very often got their cut their teeth selling knives, encyclopedias, vacuums, you know, door-to-door sales where, where they quite literally got the door slammed in their face. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't get that from reading the book. Exactly. And so I think that my, my guess is that people are not spending long enough really talking to other humans and learning about psychology and learning about buying triggers and, you know, all the the things that come together. I can't tell you that I use any one particular version of these challenger sale, consultative sale, like you name it. Maybe I've consumed a lot of these books and I take little snippets from them, but it's, it's not dissimilar to the way you could read a thousand books about startups or leadership and not still have formulated your own approach. That's successful. Yes. And I think it just takes that mastery how many people do ten thousand hours of selling you just not have many to do people, it unless you are directly into the selling business yeah and god <laughs> god help you that's how you end up with hair like mine so <laughs> so yes this is a audio podcast but we will release the video <laughs> later on and well, if you uh, see the picture everybody's gonna understand <laughs> But yeah, it is so important to have the practice in and to know that there isn't, uh, the, the conversion rate isn't large unless your message is really like a hedgehog, like it's so mm-hmm. different and special and really solving a problem. So how important do you think that mindset is in really getting your business to a next level? It's, I, I hesitate to say everything because there's a lot of things there, but, you know, to get to the next level, you're certainly going to need to surround yourself with great people. Mm-hmm. Great people don't want to hang out with people who have a bad mindset mm-hmm. um, in order to have enough money to pay for the things that you need to do. Uh, great people don't buy from people who are grumpy and don't have a good mindset. Yeah. Um, if you're bringing a bad mindset home to your, your family, your workout, your faith, your spirituality, you know, any of those other things, your own money, um, those disciplines, chances are you're going to feel like garbage and you're going to have a bad attitude. So, you know, I, I think it's just holistic. What isn't yeah. mindset? You know, we're, we're just, we're, we're only minds, you know, <laughs> right. Yeah. That's, where, that's where we exist. Yeah. So uh, you can get pretty meta with that. But the idea that you could compartmentalize and separate that, I think, has if was never in question, certainly in question now, we all work from home. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I can't separate from anything. So you can't compartmentalize yeah. that. Mindset is business now. Mindset is business, definitely. And I, I think that's so important to know because a lot of people don't work enough about the mindset, but work a lot with tactics, right? And then yeah. tactics don't work. Or either way around, they work too much on mindset and then they don't do the tactics. <laughs> I always find it a very interesting yeah. subject to discuss, right? Especially because being a business owner for so long and, and making those errors definitely um, made you go through the journey, right? And I really want oh, yeah. listeners to go through the journey of becoming the yeah. person that they, um, that they want to uh, become, right? 
I, I think pay attention to the journey for sure. You know, that's where the learnings happen. And if you had asked me which business would succeed or not, you know, I would have said all of them and they didn't. Yeah. And then the question is like, what actions did I take? What decision-making processes did I use? What did I take for granted? What was the experience like? What was going on in my life? Was the timing wrong? Mm. Uh, was I lucky? Was I not lucky? Um, yeah, I just think, you know, it's one big equation. And just this year, I finally got myself into a disciplined routine. You know, I'm 44 years old and I'm finally writing a journal every day. And oh, just really? try to process, uh, <laughs> you know, and I've been trying a long time to do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I working out and trying to, you know, eat right and uh, different things. I mean, I could talk to you all day long about that, but you yeah. know, did I, did I follow my own uh, disciplines? You know, I, I don't know. And I, I think the wisdom isn't like, oh, you're so smart and you're so successful. It's just the, how many times did you do it wrong before you started to recognize which feelings and, you know, experiences and intuitions happen before the big error yeah. so that you could stop yourself before you run into the wall. You know, I don't think it's magic. It's just experience. Uh, it's experience, you know, and, right? It, it is really important. And also with sales, it's so, so, so important to a lot of people just tend to, if they don't see, if they don't have the instant gratification, let's say they have like five sales calls and they don't have <laughs> instant gratification of getting a seal out of the five sales calls, they just think, they maybe suck or their business uh, message isn't good or I mean, you probably do suck at that point. So yeah. you know, but you're, yes. you're going to suck if you don't do those five calls every day. Yeah, it's so important. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I don't know how many I mean, it's been long enough that I can't tell you how many calls I was terrible on before I you know was decent. Yeah. Um, but when we start new clients and, you know, I need to do a brand new strategy and start from scratch and, you know, it's it's frustrating. You you can't close them all and you wish that you could get something going and, and even i go i go through cold streaks i'm sure that happened in your sales career yeah where you know geez like i thought i was good at this and it's been 45 days and i haven't closed anything and you know yeah. and after enough time you realize i don't know why but at least in my experience every business it's come in batches so it'll be it'll be just ice cold for <laughs> A month, two months. I'm, geez, what's wrong with me? Like I lost it, you know. And then that's like boom, five closes in a week. And and I don't know why it's like that, but that that just happens. And uh, sales, if, if anything, just like is, rolling the dice, right? You you stay know, in the rolling, game. Rolling yeah. the dice, you can throw the dice and get like ten no's, and then get a, a one yes, <laughs> and then get like five yeses, and then like nothing. And it's it's it's. What do you think that? happens when people are able to really 10x their business what what do they do differently besides a good marketing and a messaging what 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 is different oh i know exactly what they do and it's all about process operations and the support things people all want to hang their hat on like doing a great sales call and that's the 20 percent. the 80 percent is maybe even 90 percent is the disciplined process and tracking and CRM and automation systems yeah. and all the stuff that you, we call it, we call it sales ops, revenue operations. I can tell you like, that's the thing that scales. Yeah, You can make, you can make your $500,000 a year as a service business selling, just scrapping together and trying to get some good calls 
together, but you will not scale 10x from there unless you build a full revenue operation. And that's, it's just systems and just gutting it out and writing stuff and getting those email sequences done. And it's, it's not glamorous. It's just work. It's an operation. Mm -hmm. So when do you think that it's good for someone who is stuck, was already making nice money, but uh, it's stuck in his business. When is the point when, when they should really hire a sales team and go, go do that process and automate? I have seen, and we, we started our niche sort of approach to this business that my experience has been in B2B services businesses. And I, I qualify that because that's the business that we know and we serve, but I have not seen any of them with the founder doing sales that have not plateaued around that $500,000 a year mm -hmm. type of range. And, and it goes two directions there. It's a fork in the road. You have to decide at that point. I'm going to be a, essentially a chief sales officer. Like I'm a founder that just does sales and I need to hire a COO or a president or somebody to run my company, mm. or I'm going to be the one that runs the company and I need somebody to do sales. Mm. And if you go that direction, that's the people that we like to talk to because I wanted to make a solution for them because I was them. Mm. And I found that there was not a good solution at that exact point in the road for that type of business. You could, you could try to hire, you know, the VP of sales, right? Well, mm. you're going to pay half your revenue to them. And yeah. they have, they, those are people that are designed not around really selling. They're not closers per se. Mm. The VP, VP of sales thinks I got to build a sales team. So now they're going to go spend more money so that they can buy people to manage to then do the selling. So you just wiped out your entire revenue. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't work at that stage. It does That's work at sense. five million. <laughs> yeah, you can hire an SDR. Everybody thinks, well, I'll get somebody, you know, dare I say young and hungry or, hmm. you know, here, take over sales for me. The problem is there all the tacit knowledge is in your head. You have no sales program. You have no sales ops, no rep no revenue program, like nothing's there. You don't have the organization built around it at exactly. all. Exactly. Yeah. So you need somebody to build that stuff mm. too. There is no good solution there. You can't afford to hire what you need and you're not prepared to get it out of your own head to train somebody who doesn't have the experience that you can afford. Mm. So, I mean, in a sense, that's why we built our thing. And I, I think that's why it works that at that stage you're just stuck now you can yeah. plateau around 500 grand of sales and be very happy yeah then if you're going to do that and you don't want to hire somebody else my advice to you would be work on operations in general to drive a higher profit margin down the bottom that's your money yeah you don't I need know. to hire somebody else there you have to yeah. choose do i want to scale past that point mm. if you do a solution like us or a solution find another solution you know, and be your own sales. Just know that you need to hire somebody to run your company because you, you can't do both and you, you will not be able to scale your operation for delivery, for customer success, mm. for the rest of financing, you know, for all the other things. Mm. And uh, that's just a fundamental choice at that point. Yeah. And I think there is a difference because, you know, we've been selling B2B when I was in sales management, right? With corporates, um, it's a different feel than when you yeah. are selling yourself, Absolutely. Let's say your, your own services. What, what would you say a difference is and what, what have you noticed that people can benefit from hearing? 
So selling yourself, you need to decide if you want to do that indefinitely, because mm -hmm. essentially it's your time and your knowledge, and that's fine. And you can leverage that to a point. That's where scalable products come in. Because exactly. you want to have like videos, you want to have course stuff Digital, that people can yeah. consume when it's not your time. Mm -hmm. And you want to jack up the cost of your time. So you'll be, for example, I don't know, coaches might have a mastermind with 12 people in it. There's only 12 spots. Yeah. They're very expensive. Yeah. Oh, and I have my super, you know, sort of individual coaching model where mm -hmm. it's, you know, $10,000 a month. Mm -hmm. Now you're like, you're going to sell 0.1% of those, but at least mm -hmm. you should offer it. Right. Mm -hmm. So. That's one way to scale where you start making more money and leverage off your knowledge and your time based on materials, based on the way you deploy it. The other way would be to say, can I create a system that other coaches and people like me could deliver mm. so that you can sell somebody else's time? That's tough if you mm. built your entire brand around not your system mm. or your process or your named special thing. If you sold it based on just your name and you doing the thing, you just limited your scale. Mm. So I always tell you to name your thing, like try to make a separate process that is based on your knowledge, but that other people can do. Always design on somebody else being able to sell it and somebody else being able to deliver it. Mm. And I think that's where you're going to be able like scale. Vitalizing that part of your services, right? When you are yeah. going digital and when you are going to build digital products to actually not exchange yeah. your money for time or time for money. So, yeah. um yeah. <laughs> I just I'm I'm just so impressed with what you said. I just forgot my question. <laughs> That can happen, guys. It's it's no biggie. So <laughs> <laughs> please tell me a story about one of your clients that you have had an amazing result with uh, practicing what you teach. Sure. Yeah. Uh, early in our business, we uh, now so all our clients are white labels. So I'll, I'll sort of like paper over it because nobody ever wants to know there anybody to know that they hired us, you know? So that's the weird thing. If you look at our company, you can't tell who the clients are, mm. but the story is that, that we had a, it's a, a marketing, let's say a marketing service that is very niche that we, we got involved with and they're sort of the premier brand in what they do. Uh, but it was hard to cash flow, and they were having an inflow of commoditize vendors, you know, from other places in the world and outsourcing and different things that were cutting into their market. And they were starting to have cash flow issues because they wanted to keep their pricing high. And we helped them reposition that to focus on a higher ticket value to really firm up the systems that we could do there. And they went from uh, about $25,000 of annual at their worst point to mm -hmm. now uh, topping 3 million. Well, that's in about a year and a half. That's yeah. an amazing so, <laughs> but you know, I, I, numbers are one thing. So it's, it's cool. We added a zero, you know, that's the whole point. Yeah. Right. Um, but more than that, you know, we give what I think is the best story for us is just to be able to look at that founder who was really suffering and laying people off and mm. kind of didn't like the thing anymore. And now they cannot have to worry about cash flow, and they can think about strategic things that they actually wanted to do. They just wanted to run the company. They didn't want to do selling. They hated it. Mm. And we like it. <laughs> so, you know, that's <laughs> that's, that's the stuff that we could look for. Yeah. But it's just like, it's pretty awesome. Like this, 
this happens to be a guy, doesn't have to be a guy, but this, this guy gets to go home and look at his wife and his kids and spend more time with them and, and know that he's a successful entrepreneur and that his company is making millions of dollars and he's growing his team and he gets to focus on what he wants. So like that gift of optionality yeah that we can bring people when they're suffering you know i mean it's it it sucks i've been the founder that couldn't make payroll next friday unless i went and borrowed money from my dad yeah and uh i don't want that you know for anybody else because that's miserable and i believe that growing revenue is going to help yeah definitely definitely because you know um and there is so many sales people out there and a lot of people uh, I mean, I'm I'm a bit more about re- uh, relationship selling, right? I really, uh, you know, of course, the clients that give them scripts to work with if they really don't have the experience. But then again, yeah. I never use the script with yeah. my clients because it's an energy exchange. It's uh, it's it's the message exchange. It's it's like going into the pain and trying to solve and really help this person get to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but. I do understand that not everybody has a big sales background, but they still are amazing coaches and very like potential influencers. They have this push, right? And they already have the marketing stuff and everything to cover. So is there, if you would be the one, one person on this planet who has a stage and who has to speak to these people and to tell them how important sales is and what they should do, to bring the bloodstream back in their business? I think you just, something that you do, it has a passion to it. I mean, you're, you're in this business because you change somebody's life or you believe that you can make that positive leap for them. And you need to find a way to convincingly talk about that. And mm. I didn't always have this passionate push. You know, I, I worked on it and mm-hmm. you, you, you know, people talk about like selling in front of the mirror, like give your, give your speech in front of the mirror. You know, I, I we're on, we're on stage when we're selling, you know, we're yeah. in the spotlight and that mastery. I, I think that people don't do enough repetition. They don't mm. practice the, what's a script, right? A script is like, here's the guide. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't tell you. I actually hate scripts, to be honest with you. Why? <laughs> but think about like like a famous actor who is so good that yeah. they give him the script and they say, "But we know you're going to do the thing, right? You're going to ad lib. You'll put in your own stuff. Here's the guide." Mm. So they practice the script such that the script doesn't matter anymore because yeah. their, exactly. their presentation, <laughs> their their powerful and it's body language and it's you know non-verbals and all the thing and and it's enough lead volume and i think people don't quite understand that because you know that's what's the most repulsive thing in sales is urgency Yeah. yeah so if if i get on a call scarcity sales i call it scarcity sales yeah exactly right yeah so i i just like if they can sense that you need them yeah you're dead yeah so because you're going to sell it too hard. That is so. my favorite thing right. in the world. Get on that call and you have so many leads and fix your lead volume first, because then you can legitimately look at somebody. We call this calm confidence. 
Yeah. And say, listen, Sonia. Yeah. I don't care if you buy this legitimately, it will make no difference in my life if you say yes to this thing. But I want you to think carefully because I think it'll make a difference for you. Mm. And if I can say that, and I really believe that, that this call doesn't matter. Matter, yeah. It's just that if you don't do this, I think that your life will be worse. Mm. And I can recommend that to you with a clear conscience. Mm. That's powerful. That's and right. That's hundred percent right. And it's it's it is in in the coaching business. And I of course I do a lot of marketing research and all of that. And uh, especially in this market right now, uh, in the coaching business specifically, it's about lead generation, right? So yeah. could you help uh, people to give some advice when it comes to lead generation besides the messaging that we have mm -hmm. been talking about? It's not my, I mean, so I do work bottom of bottom of funnel. So I rely yeah. upon people generating leads. And so my life generally starts where a meeting has been established mm. and it's my job to get out there. And so like, if I'm the actor on the stage, I presume that I'm going to do this performance and people are showing up at the theater. I didn't sell the tickets mm. right now. I, I can say that I, I, we're doing it right now. So this is, this is a good advice, but you know, like I think podcasting is the best channel without question to get your voice out there and getting connected to the people that, that you want to coaching is really hard. So if you have like trouble generating the leads at the beginning, you might try to do a niche consulting effort whereby you get to work inside or work for a client pay the bills around doing a service that you maybe did before mm. uh, so you know you're a i don't know you're a finance executive and you really have a passion for coaching so you quit your corporate job and you hang up your shingle and you take all the courses but you don't have any leads mm. what's the best way you can do that is you have to pay for a discernible marketing campaign to drive leads well how are you going to do that because you didn't make enough money or you didn't save enough money you probably started your business without enough money in the bank because you thought it would be easier. Yeah. So go get a consulting contract, same under the same banner, a different banner where you're doing 70% 70, 70 of your time is paying you to do the thing that you did before. Maybe it's some kind of finance or even bookkeeping or like anything like that. Find something that can you can consult on that doesn't consume all your time, use the rest of your time. And now you're some of your newfound income to actually pay for a marketing campaign. So getting free yeah. marketing is really, I think you really just hard. helped like 96% of uh, starting coaches. So that is, just don't, that don't is, jump too fast. Like that's that is, the number that is one amazing. thing. That is really amazing. And I mean, it's you so could go 18 months with no revenue. Like you really need to understand what you're getting into. Like, do yeah. you have enough money for 18 months mm -hmm. of not selling? anything and you got to be in yeah. the content game and make a podcast mm. and you're gonna have to pay somebody to produce it you can't do it yeah. on yourself. So, you don't so have the skills if i if i only think that i should edit everything myself and do everything myself i would go crazy right so it's atrocious like it, if you it, do if you do podcasting and content marketing the right way there's eight different jobs that have to happen yeah. in there and yeah. you can't do them all and you can't hire one person to do them all. No, I, I just gave it my all my energy, all my time for at least five to six weeks 
yeah. like doing as, as least as possible and really doing everything on the side to get this mm-hmm. uh, podcast on the charts because I was so passionate of my mission. And I did it, yeah. but it was hard work. And there was so much more into podcasting that I ever imagined before I started, right? I, I was yeah. like, oh, do I really think need to think about this? And I'm still learning heaps every single day when it comes to podcasting, but it is an amazing platform. And you gave some amazing advice. Is there anything that I didn't ask you, which you would like to tell my audience? I just, I I encourage the audience to, you know, yes, you should stick with it. I just, you know, I think that coaching is saturated. It's hard. It's hard to sell. It's not that you can't be the one. It's just understand that there are a lot of people who are not the one who are also making noise in your space. Mm. And to set right out and say, I'm a coach and, you know, just sort of hang your whole thing around that and not be specific about how exactly you can help people is going to be very damaging Mm. to your, your brand new practice. So save enough money to start whatever you're quitting to do it, do it on the side. And you've got to figure out a way to really niche down and make content that really, really speaks to people. It's all about time leverage. You, you need to make an engine where people are coming to ask you for advice and you can now get enough people asking you for advice Mm. that you can charge them for it. So the best thing that can happen to you is if you say, people say, can I pick your brain? And then you say, yes, if I can pick your pocket. Mm. And (laughs) that's what, that's what you've got to do. I just see so many people start this too early. Mm. Uh, It's easier to hang it out as a consultant, get some gigs under your belt from previous clients or from previous work, build a practice on the side there. New service or something like that. Remember that if you like coaching in the way that I think a lot of people do, mm. you like delivering coaching. You like to coach yes. people. That I doesn't think- mean that you need to have a brand that says I'm a coach. Mm. It means that you need to set up an, a mechanism where you get to spend time with people and provide coaching because you're passionate about it. And I think that gets confused a lot, you know, yeah. so be a consultant. And set up your engagements such that you get one-on-one meetings with your executive sponsors and you provide them a lot of value. Mm. That's coaching as the action, Mm. but someone is perceiving and your marketing and brand is around being paid for something else that's easier to sell. Mm. You you don't have to stick coach on your forehead Mm. and, you know, sort of run into a wall, sell what you know and add coaching to it. And maybe don't even call it coaching at first. Mm, interesting. And that, that's okay. So that's a marketing and a branding issue. And I think people run into that too much because they're too eager to say, I'm a coach mm. without having just saying, you know, actually, no, I love coaching. Let me add the action of coaching to whatever that it is that I'm good at. It's such a truth bomb. That is really a truth bomb. Yeah. You just dropped a bomb. And I think it's amazing. And please, you know, you tell, you told people who are stuck, you told people who are, uh, who really want to, uh, are stuck in scaling. And I think you helped every single one listening to this podcast. So that's really, really amazing. So where can people find you? Is there something you can do for them or, um, yeah, where sure. can they find you? Sure. 
yeah, there's a few things I would love to to talk to people on LinkedIn, David Ledge, Ledgerwood, all my interviews, all my content, it's all on there. There's just a lot of stuff about sales and entrepreneurship. I mean, you could consume videos all day long. So, you know, all free, everything there. Our business is add10.co. That's A-D-D, numeral one, Z-E-R-O.co. Uh, it links to our YouTube. There's all kinds of sales videos on there. Our blog is all about all kinds of sales and stuff. It's just everything we do there is free. We have a whole knowledge base we could hook you up with to give you sales materials and emails. All that's for free. Uh, and on the website, if if you are a B2B type of, of founder, we have a networking group, kind of like a, a little mastermind networking group where we have guest speakers and stuff. And that's called the Expert Community, X-P-E-R-T. You can sign up for that. That's free too. So we're just trying to help people. Uh, I guess th that's it. You know, it's just fun to, I encourage everybody, you know, start your practice in a smart way so that you can, you know, kind of endure and make money from what you love. Mm. That was amazing. That is so much, so much value you are giving right there, serving at the highest level possible. So thank you so much, David Ledge. And um, guys, we see each other next week to level up with another expert. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Vault. Respect for showing up and creating your next stage of life and business. If you like this episode, I invite you to dive deeper and stay. The S stands for subscribe and share. Make a screenshot right now and pay it forward and send this to five friends who can benefit from this value. The T stands for try and transform. Try the technique, at least until the next episode. The A stands for action. Action creates success. Don't stay a student when you have a code. You should try to open the vault. And finally, the Y stands for you. This is about the most valuable asset of the vault and life in general. The one and only authentic you. So if this was your code, please comment and help the vault grow. Hashtag unlocked, hashtag next level, hashtag dive deeper. And see you next week to level up again.